Good day and welcome to the Waystations Ministries podcast. I'm Greg Spencer with a light for your journey and a good word for the road. It's great to be traveling together and I thank you for coming with me. Let's ride together for a while. Well, greetings, friends. This is Greg with Waystations Ministries podcast. I just love getting together with you wherever you might be and whenever it happens to be. It's a really good experience to be able to connect as as much as we can. And I think we need to do that these days. It's a rough time. It's a rough time in the world. It's a rough time in the country. And it's a rough time individually for just about all of us, I think. So I'm going to step away a little bit from uh, the recent pattern of the things I've been sharing about. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about this uh, Ukraine situation. We are, I hope most of us are concerned about what's taking place in the Ukraine in this conflict between Russia and the Ukraine. We have seen uh, the press featuring an awful lot of uh, difficulty and hardship. We've seen the persons crowding the train stations, the subways. Um, It's amazing to me that uh, the traffic would back up 20 miles and the people would get out of their cars carrying whatever they could and walk 14 to 20 miles to get across the border where they could escape the uh, warfare, the bloodshed, and to get into safety. It's an awesome thing. It's an inspiring thing. It's a frightening thing. It's a terrifying thing. And it caused me great grief. I remember the the photograph that was shown of this huge crowd of people and this one little girl with a yellow uh, felt hat uh, in the middle of it, standing and crying. And it just was devastating to think of. And there wasn't a conflict to start it. That's what's so tragic. There wasn't a really good reason for starting this. There was a self-serving reason, but it doesn't seem like there was anything really powerful driving why this conflict had to happen. And uh, I think we should be concerned about it. I certainly think we need to be in prayer about it. But I think we can learn from it, too. The fight has surprised many in the attacking army. And I don't think they expected to have the reaction that they have. Furthermore, I think that they've been surprised by how the world has united together against that. Um, What I think is that you've heard persons maybe talking about uh, the danger, the fear of getting into World War III. Well, I think we are already in it. World War III began when the Russians attacked the Ukrainians. But World War III is a little bit different than World War I and World War II. I don't think it's being defined by the battles, the conflict, the bloodshed, the body counts. No, I think what's amazing here is that the world is united against the conflict itself. So we see NATO nations working together to save people as much as they can. They are reaching out to the refugees, and they're trying to provide whatever is needed as they cross the border. They're providing food, shelter, clothing, diapers, practically everything they need. We see persons across our country trying to respond and find charities that they can support to reach out. Every country in the world seems to have a Ukrainian flag flying in all kinds of places. We see businesses that are ending their uh, business relations with uh, Russia. We see that uh, Russian airlines are no longer allowed to fly into foreign countries. Um, It's remarkable. 
using economic means, the world is trying to find a way to end this conflict without increasing or expanding the bloodshed or increasing the devastation of the weapons being used. I think it's a, an incredible thing. I think it's wonderful that the nations are doing that. And we're trying as desperately as we can to have learned from previous world wars about the terrible cost. And certainly the countries of Europe know what it's like to lose their cities and to lose their civilian populations. So we see the world uniting together against the war, but not participating in the conflict not wanting to escalate it. They want to de-escalate it. And I think that's an awesome thing. I think that's a wonderful thing. I think it's inspiring to look at persons who have made choices of great sacrifice. You see people who love their country and they are willing to unite together. You don't hear of any conflict between them. You hear them all uniting about saving Ukraine and bringing glory to Ukraine. You see the persons at the uh, stations or at the, uh, uh, I think it was a train station, where there was a fence that was separating the property. It was separating the countries. And a husband and wife were kissing each other goodbye because the husband was staying in Ukraine to fight and the wife was taking the children to safety in a foreign country. This Both are suffering sacrifice, and yet they're both doing it to save the family, to save lives, and to save the country. I think that's remarkable. I think that's inspiring. It's incredibly selfless. And it shows a passion for the nation in which they live. And I think we should be proud of that. I think that's amazing. The cost is high, but the nobility is overwhelming. It's not something we've seen around the world very much. This is uh, changing some perspective, too. If we're all involved in a world war that is being waged in economics more than it is in weapons, bombs, and bullets, then I think we ought to take a look at what we're doing and how we're responding to it. The fact that uh, our gas prices are rising, and because the gas prices are rising, the uh, most common goods and foods and, and shipping is increasing in cost too. And people don't like increasing prices, of course. In this country, we want to get the, the most value for the least dollar. But we don't see ourselves as participating in the war. We don't see ourselves as patriots trying to uh, deal with the country's efforts to not go to war, but to end the conflict. So if our, if our gas prices go up a little bit and we have to pay a little bit more, of course it's not comfortable. I don't like it either. But if that is the extent to which we have to suffer for the sake of the Ukraine or the sake of uh, avoiding a bloody conflict or at least ending it soon, I think it's well worth it. We don't tend to think of it that way. We think about our own inconvenience or our own finances. But I think we're all in this together. And that's one of the things that uh, we ought to get some perspective on. We are in this together, and how do we get along? How, where do we go from here? Now, I also want to bring in some scripture. I think this might be helpful, and being a pastor, you know, or kind of expect that I would do that. From Mark in chapter 6, verses 7 through 12, there's a story that is actually told in the three synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell this story. They tell it in different ways, of course, but it's a pretty significant moment in this gospel story. It's, it's a very significant thing um, that can teach us a lot. And uh, the verses are 7 through 12, but I'm only going to focus on one verse, and that's verse 8. 
And uh, what's interesting here is that Jesus begins his ministry trying to proclaim the good news of God and God's love for people. Uh, He was doing a few miracles along the way, but most of it was trying to teach the nature of God and God loving us and knowing us individually. Nobody had ever heard that before, never imagined it. If you think about an infinite God who knows you by name and cares for you individually, that's an amazing thing. So this is what Jesus is teaching. And people who think their lives aren't worth much, hearing that, that changes everything. It changes the way you see everything. And that's what we try to do for people. We try to help them to see how God changes our perspective and opens up the value of our lives, the value of our living, and the joy that can be there instead of the hardship. When we, most of us focus on the pain of the grief or the anguish of the conflict or the struggle or the problem that we can't solve, we think about the worst. We think about the worst consequences, the worst implications, the worst pain and suffering that comes from it. Um, We can get depressed. We can get uh, feeling futile or hopeless. Uh, It's a terrible thing to think that way. But if we can think a different way, if we can think of ourselves as having value, having ability, having mental skills, having options, having choices, We are not powerless even if we are enslaved. We're not powerless even if we are in uh, a prison. We still have a mind. We still have a spirit. We still have freedom to choose what we're going to think about and to some extent what we're going to do. And so if you think of yourself as gifted, if you think of yourself as loved, if you think of yourself as having value, then you don't surrender to the suffering. You don't get dominated or tyrannized by the darkness or by the storm. You learn how to live well through it as best you can. You learn how to overcome it. And uh, that makes a huge difference in your well-being and the well-being of those around you. Very often, if we're okay, the people we love and the people around us, they're going to be okay too. If we're not okay, then there's a consequence and a spreading out of that experience too. And I think what we would hope to do is always be the best possible influence we could be, for, especially for the people that we love and the people that are around us and the people who love us. We don't want to cause them hardship, do we? So where do we go here? In the scripture, in verse 8, he orders them to take nothing for their journey. What's that? Well, he sends the disciples out to do what he was doing. Very early in his ministry, he only had three years of ministry, Uh, before he was executed. So in those three years, he had to work fast and he had to empower people quickly. And so what he does is he sends them out in pairs. He sends them out two by two. He has about 12 disciples to start. Uh, By the end, we hear uh, in the end of the gospel, like in John, they're talking about 100, 120, something like that. So at the beginning, he takes these guys, these 12 guys who have very little experience, and he says, okay, I'm going to send you out two by two, and you're going to share the good news. And so um, he gives them authority to proclaim the good news, to tell the story, and he trusts them to do that. Have you ever been entrusted to do something by someone you admired, someone you thought was skilled, and you didn't think that you were adequate to the task? Have you ever had those moments where you felt like you weren't ready enough or knowledgeable enough or equipped enough? As a pastor, I've run into that a lot. People think they need to know the Bible inside and out. They need to be able to quote verses. They need to be able to answer any question that might come to them. And they may somewhat be afraid of questions that would come. 
what I say is don't be afraid to start with. But I do know that experience of being a little bit intimidated and almost stopping yourself from doing that what you're asked to do. But these guys say, okay, if you're sending us out, we're going to trust you and we're going to go out and do our best. So he tells them, and you're on your way out then, take nothing for your journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belt, but wear sandals and don't put on two tunics, two coats, two cloaks. Isn't that interesting? He sends them out to do ministry and to share good news, but he tells them not to take anything along the way. What is up with that? When you and I go anywhere, we usually take a beverage with us in our car. <laughs> if we would pack up for every possible contingency. If you're going to go away, if you're going to go on a journey, you make sure you have your clothes, you make sure you have your phone, you make sure you have your games, um, changes of clothes, foods packed, all kinds of things. There's no limit. I remember flying recently, and uh, you had to pay very close attention to how much weight you were carrying without wanting to spend extra. Well, this is what we do. We pack up as much as we possibly can to equip ourselves for the journey. So isn't it odd that Jesus tells his disciples, I don't want you to do that? Why would that be? Well, for them, it's about ministry. If you don't take anything except a staff, why why the staff? Well, if you need it to ward off a wild animal, that would be a useful tool to have. If you need help to climb a hill or to make your journey uh, using a like a cane, only a staff would be a longer pole, uh, to walk along the road. Well, that's okay. That's useful. And that's what that would be for. But then he says, no bread, no bag, no money. Wear sandals, but don't wear two tunics. What What's he trying to say here? Well, if you pack up a lot, then persons might perceive that you're just a guy like a traveling salesman. You're just on your way making a promotional pitch, and you're really not interested in them, that they're not really a priority. On the other hand, if you go into a town and you're trying to share what you consider to be the best news and you don't have any preparations for that, then people are going to say this is very important, that they're sacrificing in order to bring this message here. And so they might be more inclined to listen and to value what you're offering. And this is what I'm concerned about in terms of way stations. We don't want it to be about money. We don't want people thinking that we're offering something in order to take from them. This is about giving to them. This is all about giving the best possible uh, guidance, counsel, witness of the love of God for people in their lives and to help them to have the best life possible. So we don't want things that would interfere with that or people things that would distract people from understanding that. So you have to go very simply and you need to learn how to trust God, how to trust Jesus, how to trust yourself and to do your best and to try to do so without allowing all those extraneous thoughts to distract you or to deter you from doing that which you know is right and good and true. And so that's what I think the point of that verse is. And I think that's what we see in the lives of the families of the Ukrainians that are separating and running across the borders, those who are refugees. They're not taking truckloads of stuff. They have to leave their homes behind. They leave a lot of their clothes behind. They carry one suitcase. But if they have children, how do you carry the children and a suitcase? Not everybody was able to do that. They had to leave their home. Then they had to leave their country 
and they had to go with no hope or vision for what was going to come next. They didn't, how are they going to make money? How are they going to buy food? Where are they going to stay? Now, these questions would be asked by an awful lot of people if you're just going on a vacation. But these persons know what's right and true is to get out of harm's way for the sake of your children. And so they don't worry about what the next step is going to be. They worry about making it across the border to be safe and to live. And then they'll have to find a way to live. And that's where you see these nations and peoples from all over the world saying, we want to help you to be able to live. And so the community of the globe becomes closer as people care for one another. That, I think, is truly inspirational. It's not about what you have. It's about your determination to do what's right. And that's happening for the persons that are evacuating. That's happening for the persons who are staying. And that's happening for the people of the world that are trying to help. We don't want to make it worse. We want to make it better. And we'll do what we can to accomplish that. I think that's a good example for us all. Because it's not anywhere near that kind of uh, conflict around us. But we do see an awful lot of people without any regard for others. We see people that are pretty insensitive. that They're pretty blind to anybody else or what their feelings are, what their thoughts might be. They just are concerned about their own needs or their own interests. Well, that is divisive. And it is something that draws us to emotion pretty quickly. I'm not sure that's the best way to go. But how do you counter it? Well, you counter it by being something different. You don't worry about what their problem is. You worry about yours. I do not want to get angry because other people don't respect. I do not want to get upset because other people do foolish things. I want to be a person that is kind, that is hopeful, that is positive. I want to do that in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions. I want to do it in every possible way because I want to make the best possible difference I can. Maybe if more of us do that, we'll enjoy life more. We'll see the conflicts happen less. The arguments, the anger, the irritation, the frustration, the victimization, all of that disappears when people care for each other. So we make the community better. We make our lives better, our families better, our nation better, and indeed our world. And that's worth working on. That's worth sacrificing for. That's worth not worrying about things so much, but having confidence, having trust, both in God and in ourselves and in one another. The more we do that, the happier we'll all be, the safer we'll all be, and maybe we'll see those conflicts cease. Wouldn't that be a good thing? Well, it's at least it's something to think about. I hope that uh, you found this to be meaningful or thought-provoking. I hope it uh, helps you to have conversations with people you know and care about. And uh, maybe we can together find solutions, good solutions, healthy solutions to our problems, to our conflicts, to our worries, to our irritations, to our frustrations. <laughs> oh, boy. Moving towards heaven, we see more and more being let go and more and more good filling up. So have a good week. I'll look forward to getting in touch with you next time. Thanks again for supporting Waystations Ministries and the Waystations Podcast. Well, I'd like to thank you for being with us this time and hope that you'll join us again next time, next week, when we get together for a little more time on the road together. May it be good for you all the way through.